right, good morning, everybody. How you doing? You glad to be here today? Hey, let's just thank the Lord for a great time of worship already and this morning. Awesome, awesome. So we're launching into a new series called Balance uh, today, just kind of how you deal with work-life balance, how you deal with just life balance in general. And balance is a hard thing, right? It's a hard thing to accomplish, hard thing to maintain balance in your life. In fact, uh, uh, over the break, uh, Liz and I just joined this new gym, and so uh, we, I was thinking it would be good to just eat a lot and then work out a little, you know, I, you get a big transformation doing it that way. And so, uh, so uh, we decided, hey, we ought to go to the gym a couple of times over the break, and this place has got all these classes you can take, it doesn't cost you more money, and I was looking at one class, and, and I was thinking, you know, I'm really stiff, and you know, I'm just sore a lot, and I need something to kind of loosen me up, and so I, I found this course, or this little class called hot yoga and I thought that's probably what I need to kind of loosen the old guy up you know a little bit and Liz goes I'm not going to that I'm like why not she goes well you'll find out or right? if you go you'll know I'm like all right well I'm going she goes go ahead and so I so I go to the class and I should have known there was going to be a problem because I walk into the little door and the little skinny instructor guy is there and he looks at me and he goes hot yoga and I said yeah and he goes all right I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. And so for the next hour, like it's in burning hot and it's like twisting you in all kinds of things like put your ankle behind your neck, you know, and balance on one and your hands. I mean, it's just not normal. Okay, folks, it's not normal. And uh, I, I survived this thing. Uh, I got a little picture of what hell might be like. I survived this thing. And, and what I came out of it was two conclusions. One is never again will I do that. Uh, number two, um, I don't have a lot of balance. You know, I, I don't have a lot of balance. Balance is hard. It takes a lot of work to be balanced. It's hard in life. It's hard physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, in work. It, balance is a hard thing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is balance. You know, you think about it from the very early ages of you growing up, you wrestle with this issue of balance. Think about when you're in middle school and high school. And all of a sudden you're going into middle school and high school and you're dealing with all these issues and they're really balanced issues. You gotta balance, you got homework and projects and papers and things to write. And then you've got, uh, oh, am I gonna do club ball or am I gonna do YMCA or am I gonna do the select ball and then I'm gonna do dance or is, it, or is it gymnastics or is it theater or art or choir? All these things you gotta balance. And, and then am I cool, am I not cool? Am I, am I gonna be a country or am I gonna be grunge? Am I, what's my tribe? Who do I belong to? Who thinks I'm cool? Who do I fit into? I gotta deal with all that. And then you go from there into college and it goes up to another level. Now I got to go to the, the right school and the right university and the right professors and the right major. And am I going to make any money or am I not going to make any money? Is this a good thing or is it not a good thing? And then I got to have the, you know, got all the deadlines of the papers and projects and things I got to get done. And then I got roommates and I got to deal with all the roommate drama and how all that's working out for me. And then as soon as I deal with that, I'm like, okay, am I dating or am I not dating? Is it cool or not cool? I pick the right social club or not the right social club. Am I in or am I out? I got to deal with all that. And then when I graduate from college, it even goes up to another level because now I actually have to pay rent. All right, I have to pay the bills, and I got to. Oh man, I can't afford the bills, so I got to get more roommates, and I got to take care of that. And then I got to get a job. I got to get the right job. Got to get on the right 
uh, career path. I got to be sure that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to move to the next level. And then I got a date, but now it's like serious dating. Like I, I'd be looking for the one. And is this the one or is it not the one? How do you know if it's the one? Do I meet their parents? And uh, is that too soon or is that not too soon? And then I get into it and I'm like, okay, now we're going to get married. Oh, wow, wow, this is like forever. Like marriage, how do I get ready for that? And it's pre-marriage counseling and it's going through all the hoops of that. And then all of a sudden you get married and then it's like goes up to another level where you got kids involved. Right? And the kids just complicate everything because now you got to deal with your stuff, you got to deal with their stuff. And so, like, are they going, we're going to go to the doctor. How often are we going? Are we in the 90 percentile of our child's development? If not, is that a problem? You know? And, and then is their head too big? You know? Are they growing? Are they going to be athletic? Are they going to be like this? And then we got to deal with school. Okay, we're going to do private school, public school, homeschool. I don't know. Can we skip school altogether? I don't know. And then, then you're like, okay, but I got to think about me too. I got to stay healthy. I got to eat right. I got to exercise. I got to be on social media. Is it TikTok or is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? What, what am I supposed to be doing now? I don't even know. I mean, all this stuff is a lot to balance. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. How in the world do you balance all this stuff? And uh, in fact, Inc. Magazine came out recently with a, a list of seven key indicators that your life may be out of balance. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand or indicate in any way how you fit on these seven. But you just let this be a little guideline. Here's what they said. Seven indicators, your life may be out of balance. One, you haven't exercised in weeks. Number two, you're spending more money than usual. Number three, you're eating poorly or worse, not at all. Uh, number four, you struggle to stay present with people. You have dozens of people in your life who you have not called back. Ouch. Uh, number six, you haven't taken a vacation or a long weekend in years. Number seven, when, uh, when people talk about the things they enjoy doing, you get defensive. I don't know. Uh, if any of those fit you, here's what I think. I think. I think probably the number one indicator that something is not right, something is out of balance, is when you have a chronic, pervasive sense of anxiety or stress or worry or fear about the future. I mean, when you are constantly worried and stressed, and I understand we go through seasons of that. I understand we go through uh, periods when that happens. That's all normal. But I mean, if it's a constant thing, pervasive anxiety, worry about the future, then there may be something not in balance in our life like we want it to. And so when we are afraid of these things, what do we do? We make these things called New Year's resolutions, where we say, we promise to ourselves that we're going to be better. We promise we're gonna eat better, we're gonna spend less, we're gonna save more, we're gonna exercise more, we're gonna do all the things, we're gonna date night more, we're gonna do all these things we're gonna do, and these things last about, what, 60, 90 days, maybe, and then we're right back in the same pattern that we were before. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be awesome if there was like a, a principle, if there was a secret, if there was some key that if, if this could be in place, then everything else would fall in place. If this one thing happened, then everything else would happen as it should. Wouldn't that be great? And I do believe that there is that one principle, and I'm going to show it to you today. In fact, here's what we're going. Here's where we're going today. Let me draw a map for you. We're going to, I'm going to show you this one principle that when this is in place, other things fall into place. Number two, I'm going to show you why this principle actually makes sense for your life. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about how this one principle is going to impact every area of your life. Are you ready? Are you ready to dive into God's word? Say, let's go. All right, Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, open it up. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you. We've got the page number up there. Uh, if you need that, Matthew chapter 6. 
And uh, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people in what is best known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus' most popular sermons. And in this uh, passage, he's going to talk about a balance uh, in our lives. So let's just jump into it. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 25. This is the word of God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment uh, to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, Jesus is talking to some people that are worried. They're worried about a lot of things. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? If Jesus was preaching this sermon today, he'd probably talk about uh, how are we going to pay off debt? And how am I going to deal with this job change? And is my marriage going to be okay? And are my kids uh, getting into the wrong crowd? And all the things that we worry about today. And here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is not saying that these things don't matter. He's not saying don't worry about them because they're inconsequential. What he's saying is that if your whole life is wrapped around thinking about, reacting to, and responding to all of these issues, you will never live a life of balance. You will always be reacting and responding to what life throws at you, and you'll never be, never be balanced in your life. Now, this gives a good moment for us to take a step back and talk about balance. What is balance? I think there's some myths with regard to balance that I just want to kind of iron out real quick. First one is this. A lot of people think that balanced life means that you give an equal portion of energy and attention to all these various demands of your life, right? You got work, you got school, you got, you got family, you got health, you got all these things that are going on, finances and whatnot. And so your job is to give everybody an equal portion of energy and attention. It's like your life is a pie and you're going to carve the pie out. Everybody gets the same amount. The problem is that simply does not work, right? You can't give everything in your life the same amount of time or attention. I mean, if you eat the same amount of time you sleep, you're going to be big as a barn, right? Can't do that, all right? You, you, you have to, obviously, some portions of your life get some more portion of time and energy than others. Now, other people say, well, okay, that being said, balanced life is when you decide who gets what and you maintain it perfectly year after year, you know, decade after decade, which again, does not happen, all right? It simply doesn't happen because the fact is whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally, there are some things that just demand 
your focus. You have a crisis and you drop everything at work and you run home and you deal with that crisis and it may be six weeks or a month, but you're gonna deal with that and everything takes a back seat to that. Or maybe it's, you've got a project to work and for the next two weeks, honey, I'm gonna be like living on a cot out there and doing this deal, but, but we're gonna balance it back off of the backside. See, there are times in life, life is more like this than it is like this. Would you agree with that? And so how do we manage all of that? It gets very complicated. But I believe that Jesus gives us right here a principle that you can plug into every area of your life and it, by nature of this principle, brings you into balance. And that principle is found in verse 33. So let's look at it again. If you have not yet done this, underline it, star it, and circle it in your Bible, all right? If you got the cool highlighters, pull the highlighter out. Look at what he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first God's plan for your life. And then all these other things will fall into place. Probably a good way to say this is this. A balanced life is a Christ-centered life. A balanced life is a Christ-centered life where Jesus is the center of your life around which everything revolves. Now, I remember as a young man, as a young uh, leader, young father, young husband, when I heard this, this way for the first time. I probably heard it many different ways, but it, it lodged in my mind. I was meeting with an older man who was discipling me. His name was Jerry. And I was dealing with all the demands of work and ministry and family and marriage and just all the craziness that is involved. And he said, Craig, there are two things that are challenging in the Christian life. One is balance and one is consistency. He said, with regard to balance, the way you think about balance is not everybody gets an equal portion. He said, Craig, the way you think about balance is what's in the center of your life around which everything revolves. That's how you think about balance. In fact, he went on to say, you know, when you go take your car, now remember, he's talking to a guy, to a dude, right? So he said, you know, when you go take your tires to be balanced, what do they do? I go, well, they take it off your car and they stick it on this machine. Yeah, they center it on the machine, then they spin it and they balance it. He said, what you make the center of your life, Craig, will determine how balanced your life is. Now, as I've thought about that over the years, this has been many, many years ago now. I believe that's true. I believe that whatever you center your life on determines how much balance you have in your life. For example, if you put your work as the center of your life and everything has to feed or take second to your work, then all of a sudden your life will be out of balance. If you put a relationship, a person in the center of your life, or you put your kids in the center of your life, or you put anything else in the center of your life except for Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden life gets very complicated and begins to wobble because it's out of balance. In fact, uh, I, I, as I reflect on that, uh, probably one of the first times I ever felt God speak to me was wrapped around this verse. I was in middle school, I was going into high school, I was worried about, okay, what's gonna be like in high school, and am I gonna get to play ball, and am I gonna be cool, and will the girls like me, and you know, all the things that middle school boys think about. And uh, I did have hair back then, so I had that going for me. 
And, and I remember I was, I was working in the fields that summer and I was hot and sweaty. And I was, remember talking to God kind of somewhat consciously, somewhat unconsciously, just stream of consciousness, talking to God about my worries, my troubles. And the thing that came into my mind, interrupting my thought was Matthew 6, Craig, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things you're worried about will be provided. And immediately I had a sense of peace. And I knew that God had spoken to me. Even as an eighth grader, God spoke to me and gave me the settledness. If you will put me first, I'll take care of the rest. Now listen, that's the same thing he says to you. If you will put me first, I will take care of the rest. The, a balanced life is a Christ-centered life. He's the great balancer. Because when you're trying to please him, when you're trying to do what he wants you to do, then he will show you things that are out of balance and show you how to correct these things to bring them all back into a place where they honor God and glorify God and are healthy. Now, I believe in this passage, Jesus not only gives us the principle that it is a balanced life is a Christ-centered life, but he also explains why this is important for you, why this works for you, why this makes sense for you. And he gives a couple of reasons. So if you're taking notes, you can just jot these uh, couple of things down. The first reason why this makes sense is because God cares for you. God cares for you. He's talking to people that are worried and he reminds them that God cares about the things that they care about. Look at verse 26, consider the birds of the sky. They don't feed, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? He goes, look at the birds. Have you ever seen a worried bird? A stressed out bird? Uh, I'm behind on my quota. I got to get more worms, right? No, you don't. Why? Because they just are doing what birds do, what God created them to do, and they don't stress about it. And here's Jesus' point. Don't miss it. He's saying, your father, see, your relationship with God is, is father-child. Your father takes care of these inconsequential animals. Doesn't he care more about his son or his daughter than them? And of course the answer is what? Yes. So why are you stressed and worried? Because you're a son, you're a daughter and your father cares about you. He goes on to talk about wildflowers. If you go to the next verse, he, verse 28, he talks about wildflowers. You ever been to Israel in the spring? What you'll notice is in the spring, man, you go in March or April, it's just beautiful. Wildflowers all over the place. Everything is green, beautiful wildflowers, just painting like a canvas on, on every hillside. It's beautiful. But if you go in August, it's brown. They like burn up. They just disappear from the heat. And he said, here are these wildflowers that are beautiful. Solomon and all his wisdom and glory wasn't ordained like, like one of these or, uh, or clothed like one of these. And yet they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And your father cares more about you than them. You know, as a dad, uh, I have two awesome daughters. And here's the deal. Because I care about them, I care about what they care about. So no matter how little it is, if they're worried about it, guess what? I'm concerned about it. I want to speak into it. I want to deal with it because that's what dads do. And that's what Jesus is saying. Your heavenly father cares about what you care about. He's concerned about what you're worried about. And he loves you and he created you and he knows you. And so if that's true, then doesn't it make sense that you would make him the first priority in your life? Doesn't it make sense that he would be the center of your life because he is the one that really knows you and created you and cares for you? The second thing Jesus said is not only that God cares for you, 
but check this out, that God knows what you need. Look at verse 31. God knows what you need. He said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, he said the Gentiles, that is the people that do not know God in Jesus' day, that they are constantly searching to, uh, for their wants, needs, wants, needs, wants, needs, wants, needs, and they're looking to be satisfied. Something satisfies my wants, needs, wants, needs. I, I got to satisfy all that. And yet they are never satisfied. No promotion satisfied. I got to have another one. No, no, no possession happens. I got to have another one. No, no piece of clothing happens. I got to have another one. And, and we're never fully satisfied. That's why you, at Christmas time, you're like, woohoo, Christmas. And then the next day, you're, you're saying, what can we get on sale? Never, never quite satisfied. In fact, a guy named Matthew Kelly, who wrote a great book called Off Limits. It's a secular book, but a great a book called Off Limits, or uh, uh, Off Balance. Off Balance is the name of the book. This is what he said. He made a great point about, um, about uh, satisfaction. He said this, satisfaction is not necessarily getting what you want, and it's not merely pleasure. Now listen, what he, what he said is this. He said many times we don't even know what we want. And when we get what we want, we end up not wanting it, right? Have you ever wanted something really bad and then you gotta go, oh, this is terrible, right? Oh, I really want that. No, you don't, trust me, you don't want that. Because if you get it, it's like, it's not what you think it is. So we don't even know what we want. So we're not satisfied there because we get it and then it's not what we think. He also said satisfaction doesn't come from pleasure. He defined pleasure as that feeling that we get in the moment but does not last beyond that. I think about pizza, all right? I love pizza, all right? I love, I love pizza. I love especially the Supreme, you know, with all the stuff on top. How many Supreme people do we have out there? Hey, man, God bless you. This is my tribe, all right? I, I love that, all right? And so in the moment, I'm sticking it in my face. I love it. I, I want, I love the pizza, all right? But if you wait six hours, then guess what? I'm wanting more because it gave me pleasure in the moment but does not satisfy me for the long time. You got the difference between the two? Now, here's what he's saying. You can't get satisfaction from what you think you want or from the momentary pleasures. Kelly goes on to say, the way you get satisfaction, get this, is that it has to come from outside of yourself, something that is significant, something that taps into why you were created. And when I read that, I just wrote Jesus on the margin of that book. Because that's exactly what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, look, and the Gentiles are constantly searching for satisfaction, but they never find it. He said, but your father knows what you really need. He knows how to bring satisfaction to you. I, I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 107, verse 8. Get this verse. I love this verse. Speaking of God, it says, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Isn't that great? He, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Let me ask you something, what is your soul longing for? To be loved? To be significant? To be wanted? To make a difference? Only your Father can give you this. Only he can satisfy you because he created you. Jesus said, listen, it, a Christ-centered life is how you find balance. A balanced life is a Christ-centered life, and God knows you. He cares about you. 
He, he knows what your needs are and he can only satisfy you. And then he gives you one more. I love this one. He holds your tomorrow. He holds your tomorrow. Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's true, right? You know, so much of our worry and anxiety and fear is all about what's going to happen tomorrow. Am I going to get that job or not? Are we, are we going to settle in the right place or not? Or am I going to graduate or not? Or will our kids get through school or not? Or am I going to find the right person or not? Or will I ever have this or not? We, we worry. In fact, worry is simply meditating on what we hope will not, will not happen. That's what worry is. I'm meditating on what I hope will never happen. And I think about it over and over and over. But here's what he's saying is your father holds tomorrow. Listen, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Amen? And if this Jesus, follow me, if this Jesus who John 1, 3 says created all things, and if this same Jesus who Hebrews 1, 3 says sustains all things by the power of his word, and if this Jesus who Colossians 1 says uh, holds all things together, if this Jesus who is from eternity, future to eternity past, if this Jesus who's promised he's coming in in Revelation 22, he's coming, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. If this Jesus truly loves you and truly created you and truly knows you and truly holds your tomorrow, then doesn't it make sense? that you would make him the first of your life? Doesn't it make sense that you would make him the center of your life around which everything revolves? That's what Jesus is saying. A balanced life is a Christ-centered life. And you say, well, how do, how do I know if my life is balanced or not? How do I have a, a Christ-centered life? Well, let me give you two simple things. These are kind of big picture things. We're gonna dive deeper into detail over the next several weeks, but let me give you two things as we wrap up. Here's the first thing is this. The way you have a Christ-centered life is first, you have to know him. You have to know him. Now, let's just get really honest. Many people know about Jesus, but do not know Jesus personally. You may grow up in church. Oh yeah, I was great Catholic, great Methodist. I was great Pentecostal. I was great this, I was great that. You know, this is just how I was raised. You know, I, was, uh, I didn't really grow up anything, but I kind of know about God. I've got a fear of God. That, that's great. But I'm talking about, have you come to a place where you have personally had an encounter with Jesus, where you confessed your sin and submitted to him and he has made you clean and filled you with his spirit and changed the direction of your life? If you have a question mark to that, statement, then you need to draw an exclamation point. You need to come to a point of decision to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to know you. Yes, I want to, I want to surrender my life to you. And I'll give you a chance to do that in just a minute. So you got to know him. Second thing you got to do is you got to follow him. You have to choose to follow Jesus. Our mission statement is to lead every generation to know and follow. And that's really how you have balance, to know Jesus and then to follow Jesus. To follow him simply means to follow his lead. To, to align your life with what he wants for your life, to let him be the most important person in your life, to, to obey him, to seek to please him, uh, to submit yourself to his leadership, to surrender your life and say, I wanna do what you want me to do. I'm not gonna go my own way. I'm gonna trust in my own wisdom. I'm gonna seek you, God. And Jesus, I want you to call the shots and I wanna do what pleases you. And here's the weird thing. When you begin to do that, he will show you areas of your life that need to change. And as you change them, he brings your life back into balance with Christ in the center. 
Listen, Jesus doesn't just want the first 10 minutes of your day. He wants your whole day. He doesn't just want the first day of the week. He wants all the week. He doesn't want just a portion, a segment of your life on the weekend. He wants every area of your life to have Jesus in the center, right in the middle of your finances, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your career, in every area of your life. He wants to be center. He wants to call the shots. He wants to be Lord. A balanced life is a Christ-centered life. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute and um, just to be still and quiet for a moment. And I want you to think about this question. Is there any area of my life that's out of balance? I mean, if Jesus was to sit down next to you or at a table with you, and he were to put his finger on one area of your life that's really not, he's not Lord of, he's not in the center of, you're not seeking to please him in this one area, where would he put his finger? And are you willing to let Jesus be the center of your life in that area? That starts with knowing him. And the good news is that when we were far from God, that he sent his son, Jesus. And Christ came to show us how to live a life that is God-centered. But he also came to deal with the reason why we don't live that way, and that is our sin. And that Jesus went to a cross, and on that cross, all of our sin was put on the back of innocent Jesus, and he died in your place because he loves you. Because he loves you. Scripture says, greater love is no one than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends, and Jesus laid down his life for you. He died for you. They took his lifeless body off the cross. They put him in a tomb. And three days later, he conquered sin and death. He rose again from the dead. He showed himself to hundreds of people, proving himself to be alive. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And even now, he makes an offer to you that if you will place your trust in him, if you will submit to him, if you will follow him, that he will clean you. He will forgive you. He will wipe you clean on the inside. He will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. He will give you a home in heaven and he will give you purpose and meaning and peace in this life. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, you don't know for sure if that's ever happened to you. And that's why he brought you here to this moment to say, Lord, I need you. So with your heads bowed, nobody looking around, I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith, asking Christ to come into your life. And I want to lead you in that prayer. And um, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hands if you want me to include you in that prayer and, and walk you through that. I'm not going to call you out in any way, but just right where you're seated, you can ask Christ to come into your life. Last service, we had hands all across the auditorium that said, I need Jesus. And maybe you're here today. And you need Jesus. 
This is why life is so crazy for you. Why things are so out of balance. You've tried to put other things in his place and it just doesn't work. So before God, if you want me to walk you through this prayer to receive Christ, ask Christ to be the center of your life, then without anybody looking around, just lift up your hand. So I, I know there's just that, that physical sign says, I need help. All right, thank you. Just lift it up. Lord, preacher, pray for me. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm just not sure. Just lift up your hand so I can see it. All right. Okay. Anybody else? All right. Lift up your hand high so I can see it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down now. So just right where you are, just pray this simple prayer along with me. God sees your heart. God knows your heart. Dear Father, thank you for loving me. I know that I've sinned against you. And I know I've gone my own way. But I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. I turn from living my own life. And I put my trust in you. And I want to follow you and surrender to you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. And just with your heads bowed, you may be a believer here, but there are some areas of your life that are just not centered on Jesus. Would you just ask the Lord to change that area? Say, Lord, I want you to be center of my life. I want you to be in every area of my life. I want to submit it to you. Would you just promise that to him? Would you just confess that to him? Would you just surrender these things to him? And in just a minute, we're going to sing a prayer. This is really what this song is. It's a prayer to Jesus of surrendering our lives for him to be the center. Would you be willing to just pray that to him? Me for. 
sometimes we don't even know that that's happening but God you're revealing that to us now and Lord we really want to be centered on you so that our, all of our lives every facet of our life can bring you glory and bring you honor and can resonate with praise and so Lord I pray that as we go into this week that we would make you the center of our life in the morning afternoon and at work and at home, 
the places that we go, the things that we do, the conversations that we have, let our thoughts come to you, Jesus. And let the things that we do bring you glory and honor. We love you. We long for your coming. We want to please you and honor you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's thank the Lord for his word.